Hello, and welcome to episode 197 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my lovely co-hosts, Spirit and Shongaku. Welcome again to the show. How are you doing, Spirit? I'm good. Good. Just good. good. Just good? Just good. Well, that's good. It's better than being bad. And how are you doing, Shongaku? I am doing quite well. How are you doing tonight, Grybok? I am doing pretty well. I'm super excited because tonight's the premiere of Survivor, and I'm a huge Survivor nerd, so, you know, I wait, got wait, that like going on. the reality TV show? Yeah. Are oh. they on season, like, 1 billion? It's, I think, 33 or 34. Holy moly. That show has not been going for that many years. It's two, se- it's two seasons a year. Holy smokes. So that's still over 15 years of Survivor. Yes, I've been watching it the whole time. I could talk for literally awesome. I could talk for literally hours about the depth of strategy and how it's one of the best like strategy competition games ever. But Can anyway, you just like murder all of your opponents. Right, but you also have to get them to trust you because like you need numbers to work together and so it's a delicate balance of like because at the end of the game everybody needs to decide that you're worth winning and so you've probably axed most of the people that are on the jury. So you need to walk the fine line of not pissing off the people you voted out while simultaneously doing enough work that they recognize that you did it to basically convince them that you're worth giving the money to. And so it's like this mad balancing act of like doing just enough without being too overt. Or if you are so like super overt, you need to go so hard at it that they like can't help but respect you. But then that completely depends on what the people that you're playing with are. Yeah, this is this this could go for a really long time, so I'm just gonna cut it <laughs> off there. Oh um, my goodness, that sounds terrifying. It's amazing. It's it's a great show. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but I'm super excited. So anyway, yeah, but we're here to talk about Guild Wars, and this episode's probably gonna come out like a couple days after the last episode because there were some editing meltdowns uh, through no fault oh my of. God no fault it was just it was it was the wombo combo from hell like there were technical issues to start and then i fixed them all and then they got worse like it was a major oh man yeah it was a a a whole thing yeah a foster clock um it's yeah anyway so that's probably going to get released just a couple days before this episode but anyway we recorded that a long time ago tonight we're here to talk about kind of random stuff because there hasn't been a whole bunch of like new big stuff we don't have any real major news we don't have any new teasers new living world stuff so we're pretty much just going to be talking about patch notes and necromancers which should surprise uh nobody i suppose given our cast and our predilections it's it's like we've got like three people who have done a lot of necromancer play now yeah, we've we've slowly eliminated all the rest of them and raised them as our silent <laughs> servants. <laughs> oh. It's it's it is better though because now with Spirit playing Necro so well and so competently, like my character's second health bar is way bigger than it used to be, so that's excellent. Or my character's third health bar, which is which is standing behind Spirit. You're yeah. welcome. I appreciate I appreciate you upgrading to improve my uh my uh death shroud oh that actually gives me four health bars actually because you've got two and now i've got two how does that make again. you have four though because he uses so me she... as a human shield ah, yeah. i see just as a meat her shield. health bar has to be reduced down 
And actually, she also has her down state, which is another health bar. Yeah. So that's that's five health bars that I've got. And, and as shields. we all know, necromancers are only good when you have a lot of them. <laughs> you need as many as possible because of the epi bounces. Right, which is the primary topic of tonight's show. Look at these segues. <laughs> so speaking of the balance patch. <laughs> yeah, why don't you take it away? So we got a balance patch recently that uh, did a bunch of changes. Uh, for the most part, it sort of, from what I could see on reading for people who play other classes, uh, the balance was pretty good. It uh, put It gave a bunch of new roles in raids, which is what people tend to fixate on, I think, a little bit more. Uh, and so it fixed a bunch of roles there in raids, um, sort of improved and expanded on what existed already. And then uh, for Necros, didn't really change the raid role, uh, but improved their Condi and a few other th things so that their roles in other parts of the game could be a little bit more effective, which I, which I appreciate because being a not a huge raider just because of the time involved and the competence required uh i it is nice to just have that little boost so is there anything particular that you've noticed kate with raids that has changed as a result of the balance patch i would say there hasn't been a big meta shift in the raids and not like a huge one anyway right like still the meta dot jpeg all of the you know all of the associated memes TM is two two warriors, two chronos, two rangers, um, and then fill in your DPS of choice, uh, which formerly was Ellie's, but Ellie's got taken down a decent amount. Not enough to knock them out, but enough that they are lower than before. Um, what I think what changed the most is the sort of off meta things that people run so the one of the huge huge things for raids is they changed banners warrior banners to to affect 10 targets which means if you have two warriors each of them can take one banner and that frees up another utility slot for them or potentially you could take one ps or, or like one warrior they have two banners and then all of your people are targeted and that other spot frees up for someone else i think it's not going to change, uh, you know, what speed clear groups are doing, but for groups, for guild groups, for people who are just trying to clear the content, there's a lot more potential for um, different things. Like you can play with uh, Grace of the Land. The Druid buff was also changed to 10 targets, so you could potentially play with one Druid at the cost of not as much Grace of the Land, but maybe you could replace it with a different healer, like a Tempest for more... Um, for more healing, because druids aren't actually that good of healers. Like the the reason people take druids is because they have this incredible team buffing potential, not because they're the best healers you can get. Um, so there's a little bit more wiggle room with that. There's um, uh, they fixed time warp. Time warp uh, had an issue previously where if you had a chronomancer that was spec for boon duration, uh, and you were trying, your goal was to give out quickness. Um, the way boon stacking worked meant that using time warp was actually a loss because it would overwrite long stacks of quickness with short stacks of quickness so they um revamped time warp basically does the same thing uh but affects 10 targets and applies uh longer quickness 
so that you don't overwrite the stacks that you're doing normally. Um, so yeah, it's just all little things like that uh, are not going to change what the absolute best raid comp is, but for people who are not running the absolute best, there's a lot more sort of variety now that you can get away with without uh, totally gimping yourself, right? That is a question that I have, because I know a lot of people... So when the balance patch came out, there was a really good post on Reddit that sort of went through each class and detailed the changes and how they were going to affect them in the TM meta. Mm -hmm. And that was... It was a really interesting post, and the thing that I got from Necros, and having seen Necros... Not Necros, passionately, uh, is that... Are they, like, for the off-meta groups, the off-speed clear groups, the groups that just want to clear content um, without necessarily doing it the most efficient way. Are necros that? Like, you just should never bring a necro? Because I did read a few things where people are like, I tried to bring my necro into a raid and I was booted by my pug group. And well, is that... So is that's that, pug groups, like, are they right? that bad? I mean, yeah, I think, and I, yeah, I think oh, the thing ahead. is that the, the complicated question is what you can do in a vacuum versus what you can do with a community of strangers, right? So, yeah. I th which I think is what Spirit was about to start talking about is that the the meta TM is sort of self-reinforcing and you see it in, in really every game that's competitive or has competitive elements. Like you see it in Overwatch 2. People, people try and enforce what the high level players do as the only or best way to play the game. And while it may be like technically the best way to play the game, 99.99% of players are not playing at the best level where those differences matter or where they can take advantage of them to actually play them at that level better than you know what else they could be doing and so there's a lot of sort of self-selection bias of of having a hard time getting a group with strangers as something that is perceived to be non-meta even if you know you probably would do worse with something that you weren't as practiced with at that level of play okay so it's not that like a guild group can bring their necro, and it's not like they're going to necessarily completely break their raid group by having no, like, a necro. Uh, if you have a necro who is well-geared and knows their class, then they're not necessarily going to be a detriment to your group. Like, there, there's some caveats there, right? Like, you, you have to be well-geared. You have to know what you're doing. You have to, like... You have to, and that's for any class, right? To be in a raid group, to be an effective contributing member of the raid group, you have to have at least some, you know, know what you're doing a little bit because it's much more, much, much, much more skill-based than gear-based. It's about knowing your class and executing what your class is can do rather than uh, that you have a certain level of like strength attached to your class by default or by gear, you know? Well, and also there's a lot of it that is class independent, you know, with, with raids specifically, where a lot of the raid is knowing the mechanics and the timings of the raid, right? Like, mm -hmm, which it doesn't, it doesn't matter what class you are, if you can't dodge, you know, if you can't dodge the big hits, or if you can't get out of the circle, you know, the, the, titular don't stand in the fire right if you mm -hmm. if you have the that level of skill and understanding then 
you know, you can make a less quote optimal class do fine because so much of it comes from understanding and and tactics rather than purely numbers or or whatever. But that's not to say that you know every class is equal in that regard. Yeah. So necro in particular, I think, is definitely underpowered in raids. Not to the extent that some people say, like, it really bothers me when people are like, Necro has no utility. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right? Necro has fantastic um, group condi management. They can suck in all the condis themselves and send them back out to the boss. They can uh, pull people with transfusion. They've got that lifesteal aura, even though it's not very good. I totally admit it's not very good. It should be buffed, but whatever. Like, they have that. I'd actually like to they have... I'd like to talk about that in a second, the, the okay. that lifesteal. Let me finish my thought. They also have fantastic um, soft CC, which uh, there's a pretty big distinction in raids between, like, there are certain fights where you need soft CC or certain fights where you need hard CC. Um, they've got fantastic snaring potential. They have a great ability to spread condies around. And, like, if you already have condies in your party, you can sort of supercharge Epidemic because... If you just have, you know, if it's all power builds, like it's all elementalists and your necro, then the necro, when they hit epidemic, is only going to spread their conditions. But if you have other condition dealing builds, like Condi Rangers, super popular right now, does a lot of burning, um, Condi Warriors too, then they spread all that burning around too. So I just, so there's great uh, sort of ad control. But where Necromancer, at least in my eyes, is, is really failing is it's tough to justify bringing only one of them. Yep. You can kind of do that on Matthias because uh, that fantastic Condi cleanse and they have the really good um, sticking power, right? Like Matthias moves around a whole lot. So it's hard for some classes that need to be standing still to do damage to keep up with him. But Necromancer, they can be at range. They can be moving around. You know, their minions can be doing whatever while they're, you know, dealing with mechanics. The Condi's are still ticking while you're not actively attacking the boss. So they've got some of that to benefit. Um, but on other fights where you would have ads and things, it's sort of, it's very much not that uh, necromancers don't do anything well, but more of a why would you bring a necromancer when you can achieve the same effect with something else, right? It's not that necromancers do the worst. It's just that... Um, if you need single target damage, Condi Ranger is going to way outshine you. If you need, um, yeah, basically, like That's if, you, much if all you need the damage, do. like <laughs> other classes are going to outshine you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and the the thing is too, and we'll get back to the lifesteal aura too, not to divert it too far. But no, that's okay. The thing is that most of those things that you listed are very conditional, haha, um, uh, based on what boss you're doing and what fight you're doing, and yeah, many absolutely. of those conditions don't exist on many of the encounters, and so when you list a set of things that they have that is their utility, but all of them are conditional utilities, that's completely different than the utility of like banner stacking. Banners are always good. You know, might stacking is always good. It does not matter what the fight is. More damage is always good. Like, so that's where I think that's where some of the argument of them not having utility in quotes comes from is it's, it's more like, they have utility sometimes, but you know. But yeah, like I guess said. I just from like 
Like, uh, they have utility, but other people can do most of those things, if not in, in the exact same way. Like, at least Condi cleansing can be done by other classes, If like, although you can't redirect. But yeah, I would say, mm -hmm. the really, the one unique uh, utility that they that they bring is the uh, downstate teleport. Yeah, I I guess that's that's true. But I mean, that's that's sort of like the thing. Yeah, but it, it's it's conditional utility. It's not universal utility. And if that conditional status is only going to be on a third of the raid, you know, then why? Like why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's what it comes down to is it's not they're not so bad that you're like handicapping yourself it's not like you're taking a group of 10 mesmers you know what i mean like where your dps is probably going to be hurting i think as long as i'm not completely out of what's meta these days um <laughs> you know you're you're not completely handicapping yourself by bringing necromancers it's not it doesn't make the fight go from winnable to unwinnable but like you said why there's very little incentive to take one when you could just take something else and so what it really comes down to is the individual player who wants to play the necromancer rather than anything else i guess right i think that does make a lot of sense i am curious to do you guys think that buffing something like the blood aura is a reasonable thing in order to try and bring them into a more uh raid utility state spirit it is, it's tough to say. I don't think um, they would have to buff the vampiric aura quite a bit to make it. Uh, they would, yeah, they would have to do something weird with it. Like they would either have to make it do a lot of damage and not a lot of healing, or a lot of healing to like make it worth it. And life steal is something that's always very tricky to balance because it's like you are damaging and healing at the same time. How does that I don't stack know. up? How do you think that stacks up to Grace of the Land? Because in some ways that is a, oh, you are healing and increasing the damage output of your raid at the same time. Right, but you sacrifice while you, like, that. that is the exchange for your damage going away, right? Like, you only get Grace of the Land while you're not doing anything except healing. So you trade your personal, like, you can damage and heal, or you can heal and make your group do damage while you're doing your big heals. Okay, like but that, that's Necros sort of would still there. be fairly viable, should should you... Okay, that makes sense. Necros would still be able to deal damage with that single trait. Yeah, it's not it's not a conditional thing. Like It's just an always-on thing. Yeah. So do you think that... I mean, one thing that I was looking at is I was looking at the complaints about Necros. I was thinking, you know what? Most of these are similar to sort of how the Revenant fixed a lot of uh, complaints people had with... with Revenant, the Reaper, yeah, you know, the Radiator class, they're all the same. Uh, sort of how the Reaper fixed a lot of the complaints people had with, like, stability and that sort of thing on the Necro. Do you think that maybe what we really need to do is just, if we want raid viability for a Necro, we just need to wait for, like, a new specialization to come out? I would hope not, but I wouldn't be surprised um, if that's what it ends up being, because specializations are what allows them to sort of bend the rules for the class. So if the excuse for, well, Necros can't do a lot of damage because they're super tanky is the problem, then they can address that with the next uh, elite spec, right? Like they could, they could opt they? to have, theoretically. I mean, 
Because elite specialization, I mean, I guess theoretically you could say that they could do anything, but elite specializations never change the health pool or the armor class of a class, like of a profession. And right, so it wouldn't it wouldn't change the health pool, but there's tons of stuff you could do with life force, right? Yeah, as in like not having it provide extra hit points. Yeah, as in like you could you could yeah. have life force like activate your skills instead of going into a death shroud. You don't have to use life force. It's just a resource. It doesn't have to be health points. That's true. I mean, I yeah, it's true. It depends on it depends on the fight, I guess, because a lot of the reason. I mean. Yeah, it's tricky. Like, a lot of what makes Necromancers survivable is also the fact that they're so good at dealing damage from range. I mean, by so good, I mean that they are good at dealing damage from range and and snaring, um, at least in a PvP perspective, that Mm -hmm. they can stay out of the fight for a long time. Um, Or, you know, but yeah, getting changed, repurposing life force is definitely a way to remove some of the tankiness. That is is true. And I think one thing that I'm curious is what if they ended up going down the druid route though that was sort of the thing that that i was looking at is the fact that ranger druids you're not gaining like a massive dps but you are gaining a lot of group buffs and that sort of thing and while there is technically already a blood spec for necros i think it might be interesting if they did a elite specialization that was basically just doubled down on that like maybe a ritualist Something like, yeah, how the ritualist works, yeah, actually. Well, I, I um, mean, like, literally, could could theoretically be the ritualist because they summon spirits, which is, you know, necromancer is pretty much... I mean, I guess yeah. guardians have spirit weapons, but if ritualist but, always felt like a heal-y necromancer rather than, like, a, you know, minion-y, vampire-y necromancer. The um, difficulty for ritualist is how stationary. It's sort of the same thing as, like, a, the issues with, like, a turret NG. Yeah. Like there's just Guild Wars 2 has so much mobility that if you ever created a running fight in a raid, for example, or something, all of a sudden you can't bring your ritualist necro unless there is some way that they can just be constantly dragging their spirits to themselves. Uh, uh sure, but I mean which I ritualists guess it, also had the like drop yeah. vases, the ashes and stuff. That's true. Yeah. And they and just they had actual have... direct heals, which I mean obviously there's no targeted heals you know in this game yeah, but... but you could drop an aoe heal and that sort of thing and right i mean have... their their weapon skills could be healing skills and their specialization skills could be spirits or something like yeah. that I mean, yeah it's yeah it, it, there's there's room there i've always said that i thought that necromancers should be able to have like a support healing spec of mm-hmm. ritualists because of thematic reasons and because it would just broaden the healer pool but that's making them raid viable in a completely different vector yeah which i think it would be interesting, but we are probably not looking at just to, just to go off on a crazy tangent for a second. We're probably not looking at a specialization until we get the expansion pack. Oh no, and absolutely. So I'm not sure. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. Uh, that shaman just had a poll where people talked about when they thought uh, the expansion pack would come out, and he was talking about it being like could be this year, could be next year. I was thinking this next year just because with how where we are in the living world story we've got at least a year until i think we face uh you know uh ice what do we call the jormag jormag yeah he's ice ice dragon what's his what's his rapper name we've got crystal (laughs) no idea vanilla ice Uh, we killed uh big z 
Zaitan. Uh, Mordramoth, do we name? Do we have Mordramoth? Did he have a name? I can't remember. It's been a while since I've used the rapper names for the dragons. Uh, but yeah, so if we kill uh, Eminem, would be Mordramoth. Eminem, there we go. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, if we... I think we've got a long time before we kill them off, so I'm not sure we're going to actually see that be made manifest in a Necro for quite some time. I just don't... Th- I don't see Necros necessarily somehow miraculously being slotted into a raid as one of the meta builds. I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think if you're dedicated enough to actually run raids, you've probably got enough characters that you're going to be dedicated enough to pick your what role you want to fill and get at least one of those like meta characters specked out and and yeah it's just one of those areas that especially spirit and i i think have lamented a lot of times with various professions over the years and that it's just kind of both sad and frustrating to really like a specific profession and just basically have it not be viable in certain game modes Mm-hmm. Like, I I just find that really frustrating, and I'm not really happy to just sort of go like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Um, I've always thought it was unfortunate that Thieves were so, so out of the meta for such a long time in PvE. Like, I, I don't think that they are as bad now, although I'm, again, I'm super out of touch with that, but, like... No, actually, um... They're they... back in now, right? <laughs> They're sort of in the top three for um, DPS spots. They don't, they still don't provide a ton of utility, but as a DPS, they're kind of interesting in raids because right. they daredevil, right? Yeah, but also I think I think uh, don't quote me on this because I know um, like daredevil staff is the one I'm familiar with, but there's also dagger dagger build, which I think goes straight thief um, mm. and is competitive with staff. But I just haven't investigated that at all, so I don't know anything about it. Um, yeah. They're, they're up there with Ellie's and Guardians for the top DPS spots. And it's been... They've sort of had a bad rap, right? Because we talked about how people sort of infe- uh, or not uh, enforce the meta, right? Whatever they see the top groups doing um, is what they sort of enforce on pug groups. So Thief was in this position where it was actually pretty good. Like, it was competitive with Ellie. And for most people... Like, unless you're a pretty good Ellie player, Thief is probably a better pick for you because it's a lot easier to play um, at that sort of level. Like, it's a lot easier to squeeze out the DPS um, if you're not a an amazing player compared to Ellie. Um, but what we've seen recently is with uh, a little bit due to the Ellie nerfs, but Ellie is still top DPS technically on the benchmarks and everything. But we're seeing a lot more Thieves come in because DPS meters have been legalized and people are realizing that Actually, people on Thieves are performing pretty well compared to their uh, Ellie counterparts. So that actually, man, we didn't even have that in the show notes. That's that's huge, though. How have you seen DPS meters change things in the raid scene? Um, for me personally, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I I would like to use them more. I haven't really gotten around to it. Um, I do, I do have it installed. A lot of people installed them right away. Um, a lot of people got them, but I haven't really used mine to sort of its full potential because, um, typically when I am, when I'm raiding, I am leading the group and I also am healing and, uh, in 
particular instances, I may also be tanking and doing other stuff. And so I haven't um, actually sat down and like looked at our groups, how we are doing on that. Um, and the other groups that I run with, the super hardcore ones, have already been running them even before they were legalized. So nothing really changed there for me. Um, I have read instances where people have been kicked from pug groups for not doing... I mean, it's all the it's all the typical stuff you see with DPS meters, right? Like the, the things people have in other games where it's... Uh, uh, so-and-so wasn't doing enough DPS, where so we kicked them from the group, but uh, it's complicated because they might not have been doing enough DPS because your chronomancer is not giving them enough quickness or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just, it's a complicated situation. And it's uh, definitely victim to all of the flaws that are there with DPS meters and other group or other games. Okay. So it's, so it's a good, bad thing. Like, for- the top tier groups oh, for sure. good probably do you think it's going to significantly make life harder for like just the normal joe schmoes in raiding just because they now have deal with that frustration it's or... it's possible but um i would say like if you're if you're an average or like an above average player, if you if you actually have gone in and made sure that your gear is good and you know your class and you're doing all of those things already and you get kicked from a group uh, that is asking things of you that you are not achieving, then, and you know, you're doing the mechanics and all, all of that stuff is fulfilled, you probably, like, the, whoever kicked you is an idiot, not your fault. Um, I think... Holy crap, the toaster just did a thing and it scared the ever-living crap out of me. <laughs> set it on fire. Just set it on fire and walk away. That's the best way to deal with malfunctioning And Christian snapping, so I don't know what happened. It, it just really wanted to serve you toast. Ghostbusters. Yes. Let me uh, get my thoughts back together real quick. So that totally took me out of what I was thinking. So one thing... Um, with like DPS meters and pug groups is there are two two big popular ones. One of them doesn't report like it shows your DPS and group buffs, but it doesn't share DPS with other people unless they also have a DPS meter. So um, you're sort of protected in that way. Like if you don't want to deal with it, you don't want to have one installed. Also, people can't see yours, right? Um, the other one approximates your dps like it approximates group dps um but it's just an approximate so i don't know i it's hard to say i don't really pug a lot of raids i lead a couple guild groups and then i am i also participate in a couple guild groups that i don't lead but they're all guild groups i very very rarely pug raids in the raids that i have pugged which it's actually probably more than normal since the DPS meters have have been out. Um, not once have I seen anyone bring it up. Just uh, like whatever it is, they keep it to themselves. Um, quite a few people have them. We know from the the people who create the DPS meters that they've had a lot of downloads. But yeah, it's just never. I've never seen it be an issue or brought up in any capacity other than. Uh, self improvement, or just looking at the overall group as a, like instead of singling someone out, 
Okay, so much like it usually gets used in the in a raid. Uh, do you think that? Yeah, I I don't know where I was going to go with that question. Uh, one one cool thing that has come out though since the or actually it was before they were totally okay with DPS meters before there was a statement. Um, they have started doing uh parsers, which is fantastic. Um, it's really cool to look at sort of the parsers. So there's two big ones that I can think of. Uh, the first one is Paddle P A D L, and you can upload a DPS or you can upload a log of your uh, DPS meter, and it'll show you uh, like really cool graphs of stuff over time. And uh, when you were down, when you were rezzed, when you were defeated, and also now increasingly because they uh, there's been a big sort of development push in these now that they are legal um, mechanics as well. So like if you got hit by such and such at this time, then it'll show that and things like that. So that's been really cool to see those tools developed. I haven't had a chance to use them myself yet, but I would certainly like to. Interesting. Yeah, um, that the other one that is Raid Heroes, by the way. Raidheroes.tk is the other one since I only named one of them. Okay, cool. Well, I think that uh I think that we will have it will be very interesting to see how it develops uh and what effect it has overall on the community. Although, I will say it doesn't seem like I mean, like, raids themselves, a lot of people don't like raids. I was listening to the uh, Massively OP podcast, and they were pretty down on raids just because it's it's not really their their cup of tea. But mm-hmm. I think I think overall we've talked, I've, I've listened to podcasts where you guys have talked about the effect of raids on the community and that sort of thing. And I think, I think we're, the thing is, there's still a lot to do in Guild Wars, and they are still releasing a lot of stuff. A lot of there's there's sort of this sentiment sentiment that people have that Anet has gone full in on raids, and they aren't releasing really anything else. But uh, that is entirely not true. Like I'm totally biased, yeah. right? Like I'm totally biased for raids, but it drives me nuts when people. I have like two big pet peeves about raids, and one is when people make up statistics about how many people raid in this game because if you just read reddit or whatever you'll see like five percent of people ten percent of people one percent of people like six people raid like they're uh somebody went off and like nobody who raids spends money on the gemstone i was like are you kidding me how are you making this claim i just it's such a huge pet peeve for me do they uh and the other one is like, <laughs> like people the, saying that arena like, raid are the ones that's sp- oh my goodness right that's funny but anyway um I I also just I can't stand when people are like oh they're ju- they're just working on on raids raids is like all they care about which is absolutely absolutely not true like it's so much uh there's the living story stuff there's a wonderful fractal team who's been doing all kinds of stuff with fractals so the five man content is still going straight the five man content is better than ever yeah in Guild it's Wars. actually it's actually improved because of the raids yeah, absolutely. And Be- the story stuff is getting better, completely independent from raids, and I don't know. And just we're even getting, me. what I'm really amazed at is the fact that we're getting, like, not only, we're getting literally, aside from structured PvP, which I don't really know what's going on there, we're not really getting new maps, but I'm not sure how much you really want to add right now. I, they tried... 
They tried uh, Stronghold, that didn't really gel with the community, from what I can see. Mm -hmm. So aside from them, and perhaps WVW, although WVW is getting tweaks pretty regularly, such as fixing uh, Epidemic, which was hardly broken in WVW, and they went through and they fixed that so that it, you can't just epi onto everything ever and wipe an entire raid group. Um, a counterplay thing. Uh, but we're getting like we're getting new events in the world, with which they were talking about at launch. You know, the idea of hey, there's we want to change up what's happening in a zone. We got the we're getting those uh, things that where you've got the new uh, anomaly stuff where that is relevant to the story. We're getting new living world events. We're getting uh, story parts. We're getting new maps. We're getting uh, we're getting new decorations for the people who want to decorate and I love them and they're beautiful. And the amount of stuff that ArenaNet is releasing right now is kind of crazy. It's it's what I kind of was thinking we'd get at launch. And we're finally like they they've hit the stride that I was sort of expecting at launch with a lot of these things that I'm really, really impressed. It's pretty nuts. Eric, so, are you, for all um, you grumpy people. Do you have anything like downloading? Because you're coming through pretty broken up. Yeah, turn off all I'm those porn torrents. <laughs> I'm standing on top of a uh, activate active uh, uh, set of six mine six hop mine carts in Minecraft, and they are collecting drops for me. So okay. I will turn that off. <laughs> Why everyone was silent was I just like robot, robot, robot. I mean, not, not a robot, but like it's coming in and out, and it doesn't sound great. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, should I go back on my rant there and re-edit? No, it's fine. Um, Do it in post! I, I think people get the general picture. It just sounds like I had to censor a few things, which everybody should know <laughs> that I don't bother to do. So, uh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I... It's tough. Perception's a tough thing, because... On the one hand, I kind of understand what people mean, but like, I I kind of do. I I should say I should put a heavy emphasis on the kind of, which is to say that I don't really feel that way, but I I can understand where they're coming from. Like, if I think it's I think it's more an aspect of there is definitely a subset of people that want to play all content PVE, so that's like fractals dungeons open world living world you know expansion story whatever that feel that raids are something that they can't or or don't want to partake in for a variety of reasons um time skill gating gear cost i mean name your reasons why people might not like raids but mm -hmm. i think that to those people it feels like raids are taking more actively away from the type of content that they bought the game for and pvp players i think doubly feel that way because even though there's getting tweaks in worldview world like i think it's fair to say that worldview world compared to raids has changed comparatively quite little whereas raids have added a whole bunch of new content and there's definitely a subset of players that love fractals and while we are getting new fractals if you look at 
when you guys took me through the the empty cleared raids i have to admit that like part of me was thinking i really wish that we could have gotten this much more map and story in a not raid form and because there's reasons that i don't want to raid anymore either but like it's so impressive whereas yeah it's like it's dividing the pve players in a way that was previously not as divided and so i think that it's easy to feel frustrated at the resource allocation because of how good raids are and how much content has come out with them if you feel like that content isn't for you or that you're excluded from it it like feels like it's been taken away from you sort of and and i'm not saying that that's necessarily rational but i I can at least I think I can kind of understand where the sentiment is coming from for that. Um, yeah, and especially on this on the story front. Like I I'm not gonna lie, I was actually kind of upset by some of the story revelations that were happening in raids because that like that's some pretty significant stuff, and like I don't I don't know I've never viewed the challenging PVE content as something that like the story should be behind like the story content has always been on the easier side but at the same time like i don't know it it definitely makes it feel rewarding to players that do raids so i don't know i i don't have an answer for that but i i can at least understand some of the frustration i guess yeah and i i get the idea of wanting to participate in that story i think that's one of the big things that may frustrate people with raids is the fact that you're not participating in the story. You can go see it. You can go watch a YouTube video. You can have someone bring you into the raid, but you can't share in that moment of the narrative, which I can understand why that might be frustrating. The uh, guild chat about raids wasn't out the last time we did a podcast, was it? It was Uh, not. Yeah, I don't remember. So they, I don't watch guild chat a whole ton these days, but they did one on the raid, and so I wanted to see about it, and I it was pretty cool. I completely forgot it was a thing. Yeah, me too, a little bit. Um, but I happened to see this one, and uh, it was really cool not only to like see the developers talk about content that I care so much about, and to see how they felt about it and things, but one of the things they brought up is um, regarding the story of Bastion of the Penitent, they had to lobby really hard to get it like this raid was almost not approved uh with the the story that they had and also the like this story would not have been in the game period if it was not in a raid um according to bobby stein so it was kind of cool to get that perspective on it as well but that also kind of like solidifies the people's opinions on the other side that like you say it wouldn't be in it if it wasn't in a raid, but isn't that also largely, like, or at least partially due to the fact that there are resources going to the raid? Like, it wouldn't be in there because raids are taking up resources, and so if it didn't go in a raid, it wouldn't go anywhere else. But if the raid team didn't exist or was putting out, like, more fractally type content, or, like, you know what I mean? That, like, that's you might kind see of... see it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel mean, like... Like, that doesn't... Like... That... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're actually hitting a pretty good balance personally with like what the narrative is. I've sort of come to terms with the fact that I'm probably not going to kill very many bosses. Uh, and I'm okay with that as long as I can get in there, like see the environment, find the non-existent jumping puzzles, and and just rub my character's face over as much of the environment as possible. <laughs> and it's 
it's they're just really cool maps but i would be more displeased with the raids if i didn't get like a lake doric and the lake doric like that's just a fun map to run around in i've been going back to ember bay and just popping around in there uh, and that's just a nice, it's an interesting map. It's, it's maybe not the most like visually pleasant map, but I mean, it looks great, but it's also very sort of, I mean, it's rock and lava and skulls everywhere. It's, it's very metal. Uh, it's, it's not my concept of aesthetically pleasing, but it is aesthetically impressive and it, and that's just cool. So I, I think that for the frustrations that people have, we're we're seeing some pretty some pretty good stuff now. I will say one of the big complaints I have read from certain people who are read and listened to in podcasts from pe- certain people is people who have not played the story, so they do not have access to those no new maps, and that is one thing that I think they need to perhaps change up. Like if you have the expansion pack, you just get into the new map, and then the story and rewards from the story are locked behind the daily the. Uh, the purchase at the end if you're not if you don't log into it that is one thing that i'm a bit concerned about is the fact that these new maps are locked behind story progression and making sure you're logging in every every time that a new story arc comes out so it will be interesting to see how that affects things especially at the end of living world season three am i still coming in and out a little bit yeah but you're okay do i need to just okay i'm also sticking my face much closer to the microphone and not looking at mine carts so it will be curious to see, especially based on depending on what price tag they decide to put the uh, the living world behind living world season three behind at the end of this season. It's a lot That's of true, content. Because they have um, the season two you can get for all one. Well, season two does have two maps associated with it, but they're available to everyone who owns the core game, right? Dry Top and Silver Waste. Uh, I think you can only get to them if you've yeah, got... you got. Yeah. No, Eric's right, sorry. We just both started saying the same thing. I think you can only do it if you have the living story. Huh, I swear they were core maps. But I think the thing is that you need to have just the first chapter in that story, because... uh, No, actually, maybe not. I think you actually... uh, But think about how we... Think about how we actually get to the other maps. The only way to get to the other maps and to unlock the stuff is to do story steps for this new one. That's, you yeah, cannot that's get into any of the new maps without doing the story. Uh, well, I yeah, mean, well, I was just think- thinking from a from a price point perspective. If indeed Silver Waste and Dry Top are locked behind um, the season two bundle, then I would imagine that the season three would be a similar price. I I believe that they are. It's just that the way that the maps revealed is there were several chapters that unlocked more of the map progressively. But I still think that you needed to have that first chapter that took place in each map in order to get into that map because they are not normal portal connected. They're like blocked off, or at least at least one of them is, I think. Um, there's I'm just sure an event that. in front of Dry Top, but there's no reason you couldn't walk through the portal after you complete that event. It yeah, doesn't I think say anything can... on Silverway on the Silverway's wiki page about it being blocked behind a paywall. But I think these ev- these maps are going to be. Oh, for sure. They are, which, they are for sure. Like by by design. They yeah. talked about that back yeah. when um Bloodstone Fen came out. We said, "Hey, yeah. there's not a zone portal." And they were like, "Yep." 
because it's Which part I, of the first episode. Like that's part of what you pay for when you get uh, buy an episode. I'm personally okay with that, but I do think that it is going to cause some issues because some of the people, like the Massively podcast, when they were talking about it, and they get listened to by a lot of people, they were complaining about the lack of additional PV content, but then they also were saying, oh, and I haven't done these steps, and I missed a few, so I don't have access to them. So, and then they, and then they went on their uh, discussion about the fact that, oh, now look at all the focus raids are getting. I think they really need to do more to emphasize the fact that you guys need to get in play this story unlock it and get to this content because they have just been reading the front page and they don't even know that there's four new maps waiting for them and and this is and this is a mmo podcast with people who play regularly and they don't even know so how many normal just general people don't even know that there's these new maps and that that concerns me a little bit that they are That's pushing true. raids so hard and i feel like these new maps and stuff are good enough that they can really they need to push them on the front page a lot harder than they are because that that's actually, is um that's an interesting point that uh if you you don't pay anything to unlock raids like like raids are not locked to people who logged in during a certain time uh, anyone who bought Heart of Thorns has access to raids, but not everyone who bought Heart of Thorns has access to those new PvE maps. I hadn't thought about it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah, and that's and I think that's one one reason why people think that there's this weird dearth of PvE content is because they don't even know what's sitting behind the living story, the living world content. And I I would hope that Anet maybe gets a little bit more aggressive and saying, "Hey guys, there's." look at this stuff that has come out because we being deep into guild wars know that when we see a new area in a living war living story event we know oh hey cool there's a new map in the living world but not everyone knows that so i don't know it it i feel like I, we're in a really good place with the game but it's not always being communicated to the map as effectively as it could be although i don't know i pop into these maps and i see a ton of people so people are getting to the maps that's good although it's hard to make value judgments on like percentage of people because of mega servers like you don't know how yeah. many people in in total right right but, and and it has to have metrics on that i would oh, imagine i guarantee you they do um i think yeah and i and i wanted to emphasize after sort of my uh talking about having sympathy for the people that are frustrated with raids like i am definitely happy with the maps that we're getting i think we've gotten some really good maps and you know um yeah i i just uh i i do think that they're doing a very good job especially of delivering on a specific cadence of releases that are at a certain quality level and i think that that's very good so like i i definitely wanted to reiterate that i I'm not super I'm not on the super bummed out about raids from a resource allocation standpoint uh, aside from my frustration with the story elements but overall like I think that they're putting out a lot of stuff and and these new maps are really great and if you go back and listen to us from I don't know what 3 years ago or something I remember saying that like living stories neat I guess but what I really want is new maps and they yeah. are doing that now and you know and did it for season two also but season one 
had very few new maps and um, suffered for it. And I, I'm glad that they've been putting in the resources and the time to be adding to the world of Tyria. Um, so. Yeah, aside from the difficulty of getting gear, which is much, much easier with these new maps and stuff, I think I think Guild Wars 2 is kind of at the spot where I was hoping it would be, I was imagining it be at launch, in all honesty. Uh, which I'm very excited for to see them to see if they can if they can maintain this going forward. Holy smokes, this game is going to be unrecognizable in a good way in just you know two years. And by unrecognizable, it will just be so much bigger. Which yeah, ah, uh, so excited. You know what that means, right? Uh, n- no. Radio silence for five years and then Guild Wars three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they finally hit like the cadence. They've figured it out. They've got just amazing stuff going, and they're like, "By the way, guys, have you heard of Charmageddon? It's our third <laughs> person. For, it's our third person sh- cover-based shooter where Char decide to invade Krita." Music by Aerosmith. Music by Aerosmith. Now it'll Starring probably be some indie band from Seattle. <laughs> oh, I would, I would play that game. He's he's uh, Logan Thackeray's illegitimate grandson. They have to use an Asuran mining drill to break apart the uh, the uh, searing comets from Charmageddon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I would play that game and probably enjoy it. That would be a great April Fool's event, like one of those just like mini instances. It's just a giant joke. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, I would actually, what I would really like to see is a return of our, everyone's favorite, uh, future time traveling, uh, commander from Guild Wars 1. Yeah, the whole Terminator uh, joke. Yeah, I'd like to see the, the, the back end of that, like, where we actually have to send someone back. God, that would be awesome. That would be Basically. that would be truly an amazing <laughs> self-referential April Fools. They've got the art assets already, right? I mean, we've seen the art assets from uh, from their first April Fools, where they had the uh, SWAT guys. So they they have those art assets. Yeah, somewhere. the commando, the commandos in Guild Wars Two with the animation. So we've we've seen it. It's doable. God, I remember that video. That's been so long. I Damn. would. Uh, I would love that to be like a uh, everyone logs in and they're just playing a commando like they don't have their they have to like go and talk to a commando get turned back into their normal class. Yeah, just disable raids for a day and then and like disable Uh PvP and just have everybody be the most OP thing in the universe (laughs) (laughs) or just enable raids, but like really nerf the living daylights out of the uh, out of the. rewards and yeah like, i don't hey, think they want to introduce story? bugs like that let me tell you <laughs> temporary <laughs> would, temporary would... drop tables uh man they already would... get in trouble with the community over drop tables that theoretically contain items that they don't or things like that oh that's a valid point that is a valid point oh all right well we managed to talk for an hour about a single <laughs> patch note about necromancers basically <laughs> uh was there anything else you guys wanted to cover or are you guys ready to just sort of wrap it up for this week i think that's it anything for cast cast spirit 
I feel like I had something and now I can't remember it. I'm going to beat myself up over it. Oh god, I can't remember. Let's check I Twitter. About hosts Let's of anyone... I was last say, week, right? I'm yep. sure we did, but you can always plug them again because yeah. we love those people. Cool. <laughs> so true. our lovely <coughs> friends whoa, at Gilmore's Reporter. Back up. What? You can't just jump into it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I've committed a terrible mistake. Hello and welcome to Cast Cast the Podcast with the Podcast with the Cast with the Podcast. Oh, shit. Hold on. <laughs> I flew too close to the sun there. Hello and welcome to Cast Cast the Podcast about the Cast for the Podcast and Style Cast for the Podcast this week on Cast Cast. Made it. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you haven't checked out Hosts of Ascalon, go check them out. It's our uh, our friend Alona from Gilders, formerly of Guild Reporters fame, uh, still of Hosts of Ascalon fame, uh, Hunter from Hunter's Insight, and Hashtag, who uh, I don't think has any done anything uh, communitally. Yeah, up until now, but she's also a wonderful, wonderful person who's been a part of the uh, Gilders Reporter community for a while. And yeah, they're all just fabulous people also having a nice chat about Gilders like we are um, probably uh, substantially less intense than we have. <laughs> we get into some pretty heavy stuff. We get into heavy stuff, but like Hunter argues more. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to put me on the script list. Ooh. It's okay. Uh, should I sing something just to make sure I get on Hunter's script list? Oh, God, please no. Like, you know. <laughs> it's it, It's been a while. I feel like uh, I should probably do that. And uh, cont- no, I'm not going to do that to you yet, Hunter. Someday. But, oh, my goodness. We could you have like, just be a, a guest on our show. Or, I should. And just literally sing every lo- everything I have to say. Just just listen to musicals for three days straight and get a whole bunch of like great lines from those and then just sing every line oh i know well at least one thing i wanted to talk about was um qt quantify the guild uh is a high-end raid guild on the eu servers but they whenever there are balance changes and just generally with the game they produce fantastic uh guides for what is the, the meta tm.jpg and all of that jazz. Um, but they just uh, revamped their website, got a totally new website because their, uh, their hosting costs went nuts when the balance patch hit and people were like, tell us what to play! Um, so yeah, they just totally revamped their website. They've got some fantastic, uh, it's still in progress a little bit, but they've got um, build guides. They're focusing more on fractal guides as well. Um, they have uh, one of the things I saw that I really liked that they have is like a breakdowns in CC. So like what to do when you see a CC bar, they have skills ranked by like which ones are the best to use. They're working on adding uh, written skill rotations and coming in the future uh, raid team compositions. So I'm really interesting to see. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they put forward as raid team compositions because uh like their name implies, they're very good at quantifying uh, sort of which which classes are better. And so, um, not what I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They put hard hard data behind things. And while I have a good gut feeling for which grade compositions work in certain scenarios, uh, just for me personally, and I think for other people who raid and are especially raid leaders who are like trying to put things together 
uh, would be very cool to see what they put up because typically you always hear the two two warriors, two chronos, two druids fill in with DPS, and that's you know the end of what anyone says on raid compositions. But it is far more nuanced than that. There's a lot you can do with it that is is still acceptable, and I'm I'm curious to see what they put forward because they I think definitely more than DNT now. DNT's gone like they're still active, but they're uh, quieter on the community front. QT is. Uh, QT is a huge influence on the raiding community. What they say is what's going to go for um, a lot of groups, especially pug groups. Um, people who pug a lot, that's what they're going to uh, listen to. So it'll be, I'm really curious to see what they say. Also, <laughs> um, I, to sort of bring it back to the necromancer, not that we need to start that whole thing up again, but one of the things, like QT didn't even give necromancer benchmarks because they didn't fall in what they considered to be an acceptable range. So if you need any further proof that necros are not in a great state for DPS... In raids. There it is. Yeah, in raids. As, man, I feel like we scattered this out over the whole podcast, but it's really important to say also that necromancers are fantastic elsewhere in the game. I think we mentioned this, but I really want to get it like... Yeah, they do not just like struggle, stick your... but don't because uh, you know we're complaining about DPS in raids. Don't think that Neckers aren't good anywhere else because they're fantastic. They're really good in PvP. They're great in World v World, both condition and power, and they're great in fractals. And the only part where they're struggling a little bit is the super high end raids. And if you have trouble in like open world PVE, like or doing living world or living world content, like some of those story things. Just roll up a necro. You're gonna be really tough. You're gonna be really survivable. Stick a bunch of vitality gear on, and you'll just grind everything down into a paste, and it will be glorious. Yeah, I actually remember every time my wife plays Ellie mostly, and uh, oh. she she looked over my shoulder during the last Living World chapter during one of the like during the the big like boss room fight or something, or one of the fights with a bunch of ads, and she just was like. Oh man, I forgot what it's like watching you play Necro. You don't <laughs> That's thing. ever uh, die, and I'm like, nope. I Zero read. Danger. <laughs> I read reports of like people are like, oh my goodness, this new boss is so hard. I'm like, I think I might have gone down once on that fight just because I stood in the bad for like ten seconds. I was staring at the rotating <laughs> face wall. Yeah, because I was distracted by something else. You know, I was like, oh. Oh, okay, apparently, <laughs> and I was in, like, full Viper's gear, so, like, not even my, like, primary health stuff, and I was like, eh, it's not that hard of a fight, and I'm like, oh, right, most people don't play Necro. <laughs> it's true. Ah, uh, love that class so much. Yeah. Uh, side note, to pimp out really quick, if you guys don't know about it, Guild Wars 2 fan art, GW, at GW2 fan art on Twitter. They do like three or four pieces of Guild Wars 2 fan art every day. It is a fantastic place thing to follow on Twitter. I saw that they only have like 3,000 followers. Go follow them and look at the amazing Guild Wars 2 fan art that's out there. It's fantastic. Uh, hey, related, um, the... There's a website called welovefine.com, I think is what it is. Oh, yes. And I... Gilders 2 has a dedicated merchan uh, merchandise store up there now, so you can get things like uh, profession t-shirts now, which people have been asking for for forever. 
um, and messenger bags, and they had a bunch of fan-submitted designs as well. So if you're looking to rep Guild Wars 2 on your clothes, that's another option for you. I just punched my desk. All right, Super please. sweet mouse pads too. Oh my goodness, they've got they've got they've got wrapper shirts. If you ever wanted to wear like Big, Big Z. Z, yeah, Big Z on your chest, they've got that. Yeah, we love yeah, find is like, a really oh awesome goodness. site that has a lot of fantastic like fan submitted content. I found them at PAX. Oh, memory of Tybalt. It's yep. an apple with a chair. I'm a big fan of the Skies of Verdant Brink oh. mouse pad. I think I'm going to pick one up to replace yeah. my Heart of Thorns uh, one. I, I might feel like as I need well. a Necro shirt. Where's my Necro shirt? Anyway, yes, we love fine partnership. It's a great site just in general for shopping for stuff. I swear we're not sponsored. I actually just buy stuff from there and Fangamer a lot for gaming stuff. So definitely check that out. Although Fangamer doesn't have anything for Guild Wars, but yeah. So that was a good mention. Really good. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to cut it off here so I can go watch Survivor. (laughs) Okay. I need to get back to my mine carts. All right. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining me, fellow hosts, and we will be back sometime. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in game, you can send a whisper or in game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.